The first series of the season is in the books, and that means it's time for the first official episode of Rounding the Bases. The four episodes before this were all preview episodes. This is the real deal. I'm Amit Malik, host of the Northwestern Baseball Podcast, joined this week by Walker Reinfeld and Andrew Fenichel. How are you guys doing on this Wednesday afternoon? Doing good. A little tired. Early start to our morning, Amit, but I think uh, I think we're, we're doing well. Yeah, I'm excited. Baseball season's upon us. Walker has been on some of these before. Some of you may remember him from last season as well. Andrew is one of our first years here at WR. This is his first appearance on the baseball podcast. Really excited to have you guys. Walker and I interviewed Spencer Allen this morning uh, at Miller Park. That interview will be at the end of this podcast. You can skip ahead if you'd like, or you can listen along as we kind of dissect the first three games of the season and then preview Kansas. Uh, this is the non-conference part of the season, and Northwestern, uh, let's get into it. They played three games in Arizona, neutral site, at Camelback Ranch. But if I may, I'd kind of like to tell the story of why this was just a really weird series. If you guys will let... Go Please for it. do. Go for it. So Thursday, you know, we're on the bus going to Midway, and on the way there, we get find out that all the flights at Midway have been canceled due to fog. So... We can't fly out on Thursday night. We're sitting wondering what's going to happen. You know, Friday, they say, we'll tell you Thursday night. We Thursday night. We'll tell you tomorrow morning. Tomorrow morning. We'll tell you in the afternoon. In the afternoon, they say, all right, you're leaving tomorrow morning on Saturday and playing a doubleheader. Mind you, we, there was a game scheduled for yeah, Friday. There was a game scheduled for Friday. This was mm-hmm. supposed to be a four-game series, canceled down to three. Now, Omaha had already flown out there that Thursday night, so the game had to be played in Omaha. I'm sure if they didn't fly, maybe we could have drove down to Omaha and played them there, but no, they had already played. We had to go do it. Some of the other teams in the Chicago area that had delays ended up doing some really weird series. The best example of this was Purdue and Western Michigan. Purdue was scheduled to play Baylor, got canceled, and Western Michigan was scheduled to play, like, Lamar or some team in Texas. They drove to Georgia and played a series there. Just a really weird weekend. Anyways, we fly there on Saturday. We get there an hour before the game, but the players, most of the players, left Miller Park at 2.30 in the morning and then played two games that day and then a game the next day and then flew back. So really a whirlwind of a weekend, really extenuating circumstances. I just think that, you know, you should know what happened. This was a really weird weekend. Now, again, there's no excuses for what happened or good or bad, whatever, but... It was just a really weird weekend, one of the weirder ones I've seen in college baseball. But that being said, it's a weird sport. Story done. Let's talk about the first game. The, obviously, Saturday did not go as planned for Northwestern to start to their season. Uh, they lost the first game 14-8. to Hank Christie was on the mound for that one. Well, what do you guys see, see in this game that, that, we, that is worth mentioning? Now, I thought it was kind of surprising because coming this year, we all expected Hank Christie to... You know, just take over the staff as the Friday night guy, as the number one guy, and and his biggest strength all of last year as a freshman was his consistency. As you know, a you know not a huge velocity guy, but just an innings eater, a big you know workhorse. And he was the exact opposite. Lasted three and a third, gave up six runs, seven hits, only struck out two. It was kind of like an anti Hank Christie performance, and that's not really what we needed from him. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think the, I think the problem with what Hank did is is. He was throwing the strikes. He was around the zone. Obviously, no walks in those three and a third. But he he left it out over the zone. I think a little too much. He got hit hit harder than he wanted to. Maybe the defense didn't make all the plays they were supposed to. A couple errors there behind Hank. But the fact is that 
you you're, you're supposed to throw strikes, but you can't throw the perfect strike you, for the hitter in that case. You got to be able to throw strikes that kind of hit the corners and and are kind of the pitcher's strike versus the hitter's strike. Yeah, Tommy Bordignan came in this game, uh, kind of inherited a tough situation, gave up some runs on an that was kind of aided also yeah. by an error from Jack Dunn. You know, settled down through two I thought fine innings afterwards. Uh, so I think that'll be good for him to get his confidence up because certainly he's an important part of this bullpen. Yeah, you'll hear you'll hear Coach Allen later in the sh- in the podcast talk about it briefly. But what what he basically said was Tommy needed to come in and, and throw strikes more right away. He settled in after he got out of that tough situation, and, and that's the hardest part of being a bullpen pitcher. You're coming into tough situations, you're not getting a clean inning most of the time, and so the, Tommy had to work through a tough situation, but settle down. No runs charged to him. Four hits allowed. So I, I, he settled in. Once he settled in, he did great. And I think that's go- huge going forward for this team to have a guy like Tommy Bordignone out of the bullpen, kind of that veteran arm, to kind of eat up those innings when maybe a start doesn't go right and to keep the Wildcats in the game. They they went down at 14-4 at one point and, and only lost 14-8 to was the final score of that game. So the fact that this team is able to come back and, and kind of battle back in tough situations, you're going to need guys to keep the team in the game. Yeah, number one part of a comeback is you got to start, you know, putting some zeros on the scoreboard in your frame. Um, offensively, you know, it's kind of weird because you know they they didn't. It wasn't a great scoreline, but eight runs is still impressive. Uh, I thought Northwestern kind of showcasing this game what their new approach is going to be this year at the plate. They're going to be. They're going to be. I mean, I think they're going to want to be more disciplined. But once they get on base, they're going to be really aggressive runners. And I think the top and bottom of their lineup could do a lot of damage. Obviously, the middle of the lineup this weekend was kind of the problem point for the team. Yeah, I agree. And what I really found interesting and almost, I mean, positively surprising about this offense here in Game 1 for Northwestern was, I mean, the hits and the offense came from some guys we wouldn't actually have expected to come into the game. Alex Arrow was, I mean, he went one for three. But other than that, I mean, it was Ben Dickey checking in with two hits. Jack Dunn, you know, is always there. He had three. And then David Dunn, the freshman center fielder, he went two for five. Obviously, you know, Willie Bourbon hit really the homer. a really good start for, for David Dunn especially. Oh, yeah, all freshman. weekend. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was really impressive. This was, this was interesting for Northwestern to see as well because I don't think we really had an idea. And, you know, we asked Spencer of Allen about it, but Walker, I want your thoughts your thoughts. What do you think of the way this lineup is shaped right now? I think the lineup is shaped pretty pretty well. I think I think we talked about it that there were some disappointing weekends from the middle kind of big boppers in your lineup with Arrow, Clays, and Lind. And those bats will come, but I think seeing a nice table setter in Ben Dickey stepping into a new role that he had, being able to get on base and steal bases kind of wreak havoc on there was huge for the Wildcats this weekend. And additionally, you had guys at the bottom lineup, Willie Bourbon, who was more of a middle-of-the-lineup type, middle type guy his freshman and sophomore year, kind of knocked down a couple pegs in the lineup this year, but was able to really produce that weekend in that 7-8 spot. So I think, and, and additionally, guys, you put had Charlie Maxwell, Casey Laughlin left field for various games, and those guys were able to contribute to the bottom lineup too. So the way it looks right now is if you get those guys in the middle of the lineup clicking a little bit more, you have a, a lineup that can that can put the ball and play top to bottom, and then that that's what you want for a team like this, especially like we talked about when you lost guys like like Hoshite and Hoffner. You're gonna need small ball type guys. We talked about a lot in the preview shows, and this lineup looks to be constructed that way if those guys get out of those early season slumps. Definitely, and I think I just real fast back to your question about the lineup a bit. I know we'll probably talk about a little more about Willie Bourbon later, but I kind of like him in the nine slot. I obviously. 
you know, later on in a lineup, pitchers never want to walk those guys in fear of, you know, setting the table for your you know, one, two, three, four. So the fact that, you know, Bird might be able to see a couple more pitches in the strike zone, a couple more fastballs from these opposing pitchers, yeah. you know, he can put a, he can put some wood on it. Yeah, that's a really interesting, interesting strategy because they kind of moved him up as the weekend went on, I think, up to six at one point yeah. after Lind. And if he keeps hitting... As well as he is, it'd be hard to say, you know, you don't you don't get to go, you know, up in the lineup. But putting him at nine would be really interesting because you can kind of have him clear up the bat, the bases, at, you know, before the top of the lineup. And also, like you said, teams would have to pitch to him a little bit more. I think it'll be interesting to see kind of who that DH role goes to as the season goes on. That'll matter a lot. And then obviously the return of Leo Kaplan will be really interesting because he gives them some pop. You know, he's a really good fastball hitter can hit for extra bases all the time. So where he slots in as well will be interesting. Uh, you know, and and that, that's something they're going to have to figure out in you know, the first two weeks of the season because they have a little more depth, I think, maybe not in the numbers that they had last year in, in the field, in the outfield, but they've got a lot of guys that you feel confident putting them in that they're going to get on base somehow. Um, let's move on to game two of this one. Northwestern lost 10-5, and this was frustrating because they had a 5-2 lead thanks to Willie Bourbon, again, hit a two-run home run in a massive ballpark, and then things kind of unraveled here after a pretty solid start from Danny Katz. Yeah, Danny Katz looked great um, in, in his first start of the season. Not really someone you see as a starter role last year, didn't really start a ton of games, but the fact that he was able to come in and be a starter, be a, a second game of doubleheader, long day, trying to just settle the guys down and, and put up zeros on the board early in the game was huge for the Wildcats and coming out to that lead that we mentioned. The bullpen could have been a little bit better and that, that, that kind of is what kind of was the downfall of the team. The game cut a little bit out of hand. But I think the other thing that's kind of under understated in this game is is we're, there was really only two hits through the first seven, eight innings, and one was a Casey Laughlin triple, and the other one was that Willie Bourbon home run. They were able to just push runs across in other ways, which is huge for this Wildcat team, but you have to get hits on the board, and two hits is not going to win you a game in any level at any at any at any plate. So the pitching was good to start, and you're going to expect that once these bullpen guys get some more innings in and get more reps in, they'll they'll be able to kind of hold the lead more. But you need to see some more hitting throughout the course of a game. Definitely. I agree with all those points. I thought my two things that I was looking at was, one, Ryan Bader, the guy who took the loss. I know there was some talk uh, earlier on in the offseason of him potentially getting one of those starting spots. So it was, it was interesting yeah, in to see. Yeah, a four-game series, he was, he was planned to be the third starter. Yeah, there you go. So it was interesting to see him be the first guy out of the bullpen starting the six and obviously not performing the way he probably would have liked. So that was. But uh, it certainly shows that the staff has confidence in him. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, whatever Spencer Allen wants to do with you know that kind of fourth utility starter kind of you know long reliever kind of role, you know, it was an interesting play. And then the other thing was, yeah, obviously this offense, they put five runs on the board. And only two hits. Exactly, only yeah. two hits. They weren't getting on base. So while just looking at the line score, you're like, oh, this team you know scored. Well, in a three-game series, almost upwards of 15 total runs, something like that. Really, the offense throughout the whole weekend wasn't that strong. And it was especially um, this point considering Omaha's pitching isn't, you know, yeah, it's, it isn't it's power five. It's yeah. not nothing, you know, to it doesn't wow you. You know, they're not not going to blow you away with any kind of, you know, breaking stuff or, or fastballs. And, you know, we'll preview the Kansas team later, but they got some real big guys over there. It's... I don't know what this team might be able to do against that kind of pitching. Yeah, I think part of the problem was there were 
they didn't have a lot of plate discipline. They weren't working the counts really long, and they were swinging, you know, under a lot of balls, popping a lot of balls up. Um, kind of heard that from uh, Spence. Heard that a lot, you know, listening to Will Greer on the weekend, who, who was out there for us. It, it, they need some more discipline at the plate, and I think that they'll be able to make better contact because, you know, too many times they'd have an inning where two guys got out within two or three pitches, and then that, that you, then no one was on base, and the inning's kind of lost. And then obviously. Again, you know, don't want to harp on it too much, but Clays and Lind 0 for 7 in this game. Uh, Arrow 0 for 3, Dunn 0 for 3. You can't have your 2 through 5 hitters do that. And, and they know that, so they're going to improve on it. I think also, you know, I understand why this game was like that because it was the second game of a doubleheader when they had traveled that day. So, obviously, you know, the consistency will come back, and they know that. But it, it, it was frustrating. I think it's fair to say that. Um, last thing I want to mention about this game, you know, it was 5-5 uh, in the in the seventh inning. And, you know, Bader's pitching, a guy gets on second, and they bring in J.R. Reimer, who, you know, obviously in the last few years at Northwestern hasn't had the best career, but by all accounts has improved mightily in the offseason. Staff has given him a lot of confidence. Clearly they put him in, in a big situation. And he did give up two hits, which was frustrating, but I thought it was a little unfair because... The first play, it was a single to right, and the guy went to second. They threw him out, and the tag was kind of messed up, kind of one of those non-plays, not an error. And then the next play was another single, and that guy from second went home. The throw was in on time, but it was a little off, and then Kelly couldn't get the tag right. You know, if all you need is one of those plays, and there's three outs, and then you're tied ball game heading into the final, you know, two and a half innings. So I know it was a frustrating performance for JR, but... I still think he's going to get his opportunities the next few weeks to, in some high leverage situations. Yeah, I agree. I think I think we talked about it with with Coach Allen today as well. Those those plays are going to be made in the next couple of weeks. They they're going to get reps in, and those plays are going to be made. And and that's also the kind of nature of baseball. There's weird things that happen that kind of change the course of a game over nine innings. And and those two plays unfortunately happened back to back and happened to Jr. while he was on the mound. So that that tends to snowball in some cases, and, and it did on on that Saturday second game of the doubleheader, but you, you have to expect that the, the Wildcats would be able to make plays and, and not put those guys in those types of situations, to be able to make plays and get out of an inning and, and go rally in, in the bottom of the eighth inning, bottom of the seventh inning for some runs to go to get some of your closer in the game and, and win another ball game like that. So so there's a little concern, but but those will get hammered out within the next couple of weeks. I, I, I truly believe that. Yeah, let's move on to Sunday. Final game of the series. Northwestern finally gets their first win of the season. 3-1, again, as you mentioned, Andrew, another low-scoring game. Northwestern's offense wasn't on point necessarily, but the story was the pitching and especially the young arms. Two first years for Northwestern, Quinn Lavelle and Jack Pagliarini, really just, just throw, putting in really good performance, and Lavelle especially uh, starting this game, I think showed that, you know, if he can do this all season, he's going to have a, you know, he's going to have a really good uh, uh, career this year when he's at Northwestern. Yeah, coming out, Quinn Laval, listening to the game from Will Greer, who was out there in Arizona, you you heard the kind of things he was doing to try to throw these Omaha hitters off off he balance. Would, he, would he would he'd change his arm angle. He'd do a little herky jerky motion, is is what Will described it as, and 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 that's that's key, especially coming from a crafty lefty and and being able to command the pitches he's using and and come out there and just throw strikes to kind of be fearless as a first year is a huge key, and I think I think Will also epitomized it too is. Is he just? I think he got a quote from someone describing Quinn Laval as a left-handed Hank Christie. So your Wildcat fans know 
Last year, Hank Christie was a great first-year addition to the staff, and if you can expect anything close to what Hank provided from Quinn, that'll be absolutely huge for this Wildcat team moving forward to have a, a late-weekend yeah. kind of starter guy. you've got two guys that you know are just consistent. Yeah, and inconsistency is huge for a pitching staff. Oh, yeah, 100%. You know, Laval and Paglarini, they really both impressed me. What I was looking for both of them as as freshmen, you know, you can have the tendency to come out, try to throw, you know, 100 miles an hour and just, you know, get your, you know, way too excited and all worked up. And what they were able to do, only allowing five hits in their eight and two-thirds innings, they got eight ground ball outs. That's always huge, you know, for confidence. Struck out 11, only walked two. These are all combined stats, obviously. You know, they weren't, they were living, you know, Damage that you know self-inflicted damage. You yeah, they they let a guy on and then get out of the inning. It was it was impressive. Exactly, yeah. it was mature. It was a mature performance. It was dominant performance. You know, it, this was really as the best case scenario that uh, Coach Allen could have expected from his two freshmen. Yeah, and you kind of the way this staff handles it is they kind of match up every starter with the reliever to come in as the first reliever in a game. And you know, if that's your two for Sunday, like you feel pretty good in that. Obviously. You know, just one week of the season, we don't overreact. But as you mentioned, Andrew, and, and you said too, Walker, those guys looked very like the real deal on Sunday. Um, so it, it, we'll see how that goes going forward against, you know, some tougher lineups. You know, just a word on Omaha. Obviously, last year they weren't good. They were 12-40. and 40, But, uh, you know, a lot of JUCO transfers, I don't know how good they're going to be this year, but I think they're a little bit improved, and they certainly – they had good discipline at the plate. They were they came to play against Northwestern, so I, I don't want to write them off completely. And Northwestern will certainly face tougher opponents in conference, but uh, Omaha definitely a little bit better than they were last year. Yeah, that's a completely different roster composition that we'll kept bringing up on the roster. A lot of JUCO transfers, a lot of different things, and and a lot of different things that the pitching staff was doing to try to throw Northwestern hitters off balance. We talked about in Game Two of the doubleheader that. That though they were kind of quick outs, and and I think baseball players have tendencies when you see pitches slower than you're used to, maybe in practice, or you're anticipating when you're mm-hmm. anticipating a big ten play, you're going to swing at him, you're going to swing hard, you're going to swing out of your shoes, and that's what causes a lot of guys to to kind of pop balls up. And nothing against the Omaha pitching staff, that works for a lot of people. That you're going to throw stuff softer than guys are expecting, you're going to catch them off balance, you're going to surprise them. So so really credit to that, I guess the game plan of the Omaha pitching staff to come out and kind of contain what we expected to be a more kind of powerful Northwestern lineup. Yeah, and outside of a few Tuesday games here and there, this is going to be one of the only teams this season that Northwestern doesn't know what it's getting. Pretty much any every other team, they're going to have you know some stats to go off of, of last year that are reliable, some tape, I'm sure, to go off of as well. So this was a real unknown to start the season. Offensively for Northwestern, you know, seven hits. It, it, ben Dickey, again, good from the leadoff spot, two of four. You know, Willie Bourbon had a ground rule double. Lind finally did get that one hit that set up a run uh, and a walk for him. So that was that was better. And I think impressive, again, we mentioned earlier, David Dunn, two RBIs, uh, a ground ball up the middle, ground ball to shortstop for a ground out. But really impressive from him. He's kind of a spark plug in the middle of that lineup. I, I was really impressed with, with him and his fielding as well this weekend. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it as well with Coach Allen that, that knowing your situation and knowing the guy again, I'm going to bring up the fact that there's no Hoffner and there's no Hoshite in this lineup. You can't expect guys to go hit gappers when, when you have a runner on third base with less than two outs. you got to make a productive out, and that's what David Dunn did twice in, in this game. That was huge. And a two-run deficit, he's the difference in that game. A two-run a two run win, that, that he's the difference right there with those two productive ground ball outs that Omaha defenders like I'm not going to get the guy at home, so I'm just going to throw to first, and, and that's how you get your two runs to win the game. So to be able, to be able to know that as a first year, that your job is to do 
the productive thing, not the me got the I thing in the team setting is huge for this Wildcat team. Yeah, and all these guys, again, what they're doing, they're making necessary winning plays. I mean, Dunn stood in there, drew a hit by pitch. That was that was a way to get on base. You know, anything this offense can take, they should, you know, go for. Obviously, Dickey stole base, Jack Dunn stole base, Alec Arrow they're, stole base. They're really aggressive on the base pass. I think that's going to be a theme this season. Obviously, teams will catch up, but keep going, Andrew. I'm just saying that they really are trying to run all the time. Yeah, which I think, I mean, I wish I think they should. There's, you know, a famous saying in baseball, speed never slumps, right? Which, yeah. I mean, which is, you know, take what you want from it. But this offense, if they're going to be successful without those huge middle-of-the-line bats like they lost from last year, they're going to have to make these, you know, not, you know, glamorous, not flashy plays, not hitting crazy homers, you know, maybe standing there for a hit-by-pitch, you know, bunt him over, get a double, you know? Yeah. Take the extra base, you know, first to third, that kind of stuff. And, I, and that's kind of what we saw in this third game. Yeah, I think you're right. It, it wasn't necessarily spectacular, but situational hitting was good, and the productive outs, as, as you mentioned, Walker, were good. Kind of wrapping up here before we move on to Kansas, you know, we kind of talked about the lineup already earlier. Last question, is the best bullpen strategy? Uh, I think... You know, you're trying to find out which guys match up where. Pagliarini did well. Sam Lawrence didn't pitch this entire weekend. Uh, we, you know, we heard from Spence, not 100%, not sure why. Should be back for this weekend, we hope. Um, he's going to have to slot it somewhere as well. And Josh Levy, I think, is a good arm. Uh, you know, pitched well for them last year. Only came in for that one out because Pagliarini had done so well. How do you kind of see those those arms spreading around the rotate or the rotation, their bullpen strategy with those guys? Well, we saw it a lot last year too. The same kind of thing where, where towards late season you had your Sunday, you had your Sunday start, you had Gannon and then Levy, and so being able to find out your first your baseline starters, your weekend starters, three to four guys that you know you can rely on to go throw strikes at the beginning of a game, and then now it's figuring out those four guys to match up with. I think that's the kind of it makes sense. There's a lot of uh, discussion in Major League Baseball about bullpenning and and kind of working from the from the f- and when your starter leaves the game to the end of the game. And I think now in college baseball, too, I don't, I don't see any problem with that. I think being able to pair a guy with your your starter that is kind of similar or, or drastically different, whatever you want to do to kind of keep the hitters off balance, that, that's going to be the most interesting part about it is is Coach Allen, what he did, I believe, he went with two lefties, Laval and Pagliarini, but maybe because... The Omaha team knows they're getting a lefty. They might start a bunch of righties, and then they throwing it. They had one lefty, and the then throwing in a righty to to kind of get everyone going. Righty righty matchups might be an interesting thing to do. So being able to play with that is huge. But but to have the confidence in, in this case, you almost had a guy go five innings, then four innings to finish the game. But in some cases, you might have a guy go five, a guy get struggled through a, a one and a, one and two thirds. But then you have this whole another kind of kind of a battalion of guys in in Reimer and in. And Collie and Lawrence and all these different guys who aren't your kind of second guy, but are your guys to be there to finish whatever outs they need to kind of sweep up, and and that's going to be huge. I think that's the best strategy going forward for this yeah, team. Yeah, and I think because we don't have maybe that you know prototypical number two setup guy, that's why our bullpen can be so versatile this year. We have so many guys who can either pick up the game, you know, in a two-run game in the fifth inning, or come in for the, you know three big outs facing the two, three, four, and then eighth. Or maybe even pick up yeah. a save. Like, we saw Levy get that save with that one-out save in the third game. Obviously, Sam Lawrence is probably the most talented pitcher out of this bullpen. I mean, Tyler Lass yeah. is a guy, you know, who can, who can you know, do some things from uh, back there, too. Yeah. You know? I, I think you're right that, obviously, Lawrence is kind of the best arm there, but there's no, like, one shut-down guy, especially outside of him. It's not like there's a clear hierarchy. 
So you can put anyone in any situation and, you know, hope that they'll get you through it. Um, let's, you know, kind of wrap this up here with the preview of Kansas. This week, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, could be some rain. Stay tuned. But um, I think first pitches at 3 p.m. on Friday. We're sending uh, our two best friends, um, Sam Brief and Henry DeMore, <laughs> out. Uh, enjoy that bus ride, guys. Uh, thanks for bringing us those games. Um, Kansas is a solid team. They were 30-28 and 28 last year. Kind of mediocre in the Big 12, but the Big 12 is a very legitimate baseball conference, and there's some real talent in, uh, in these arms. Yeah, the, the the what you said about the Big 12, the Big 12 has some teams that TCU has made three straight college World Series, looking to make it a fourth, I believe, this year. Texas Tech is, the, is ranked in the top five this year, and they, they finished two games under 500 in the Big 12 at 11 and 13 and had some wins against these programs like yeah, they, Texas, they Texas beat, Tech, and TCU. They beat TCU once. They took two out of three against a ranked Oklahoma team. Texas Tech, they, they did get swept by them. But uh, some good wins over Kansas State, which is no slouch of a program. Uh, you know, two wins over Texas, who's a perennial, uh, you know, NCAA regional team. This is a solid Kansas team. Solid Kansas team, and, and it seems that their arms only got better with another year of experience. They have Jackson Goddard, who's one of the best in the country in his yeah. class, in, in the junior class this year. They have a crafty lefty in Taylor Tursky, and they have a, a solid sophomore in Ryan Seferjohn, who can come out and kind of be a different type of experience for the Wildcat hitters than the Omaha pitchers were. And and that is just the pitching side of the of the game, and they have they have great guys um in 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 at to hit as well um like the catcher, um Jack's Grosshands yeah Jack's Grosshands with two name. X's great name great oh, yeah. name um and and a better bat I think <laughs> is what that is and and so be, the pitchers going out and facing a, a also much stronger hitting lineup will be very interesting not as loud of a program but I think the Wildcats will be able to hang in there um for most of the weekend. And I think, obviously, you guys touched on a lot of the different parts of this uh, Kansas Jayhawks team. One thing I'll say is they're kind of similar to Northwestern in the sense that they have a lot of young, you know, potential talent on, in both pitching and in the lineup. I know Owen Taylor's a guy who's been there. I think he's a junior. He's had he's had a great career so far. You know, he had a big weekend. Obviously, gross hands. James Constantino is a guy he to watch really for as well. Last year. He's really good. Mateo Zunica. He didn't do a lot last year, but they've been playing him in the leadoff spot, trying to... Uh, be the table setter for this offense. Brent Cheat is a guy you can look out for too. They have they have some really talented guys over there in yeah, Kansas. I think Costantino is really their their most important offensive name to watch. And then Gross Hands, I mean, last year only hit two thirty seven, but this dude is is a is a good hitter. And especially at the catcher spot, you're not gonna get much better value than that from there on offense. You know, kinda looking at this, this is gonna be a tough series for Northwestern. Uh, I don't think they're overmatched here, but on the road on the Big 12, this is like two, three steps up than what they were doing last week at Camelback Ranch. You know, what do you, what do you kind of, what does Northwestern need to do better uh, to get a game or even two games here on the road? Um, we talked to Coach Allen about this later as well, but just from my perspective, I think I think what needs to happen is the pitching needs to be a little bit more consistent. Those guys out of the bullpen, you saw Matt Gannon struggle a little bit as well. And, and different guys like that, you need to see them come out and, and throw strikes and, and be able to trust the defense. And the defense is, was part of the issue that I think Coach Allen touched on, but, but even if their defense is struggling, you can't switch your pitching mentality, but I'm going to throw strikes because if, if you're not a strikeout guy, you can't turn into a strikeout guy just because your defense isn't making plays. You still have to trust your teammates and yeah. trust the composition of your team and your arms in your bullpen. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Obviously, the offense you know, will come and go with this team. The pitching will always 
pretty much be there. They're always pretty solid over there. And, you know, blame it on the travel schedule, whatever you want. But the defense is really, you know, that yeah, was, that was the, frustrating. That was the most disappointing part of this week. And I thought last year the team was impeccable on defense. They have a lot of guys who are very strong defenders. And, I mean, it seemed like every, you know, yep. time we had got some, the other team got some guys on base, we needed a big out. You know, maybe they bobbled a ball. We had... I think four errors game two. Exactly, and that's something you can't see. Whether whether or not they're freshmen playing out there, whether or not you know they're upperclassmen, defense has got to be you know the thing you can always fall back on and not let you down. Yeah, and you especially expect with that infield, it's all returning guys: Lynn, Dunn, Arrow, Bourbon. There was a they were top twenty-five in the country in fielding percentage last year, like you mentioned. So I think for them, that's got to be their big focus, and you know part of it. Spencer Allen mentioned the rust, I'm sure, and you know, again, yeah, like you said, your excuses, whatever you want. The feeling's got to be better next week, especially if you want to stay competitive against Kansas. You can't have, you know, one of those blow up innings. And now, Northwestern last year didn't really do this, but for those of you who remember this program, this is a thing that has plagued them in the past. They'll play a game, they'll play five or six innings really well, they'll get the one inning, it'll be like eight runs or like seven runs. That's a thing that, that happened, and I think that's behind this team, but. Part of that can it can all snowball fielding pitching you just start acting away from your plan like you kind of mentioned and I think they they're gonna fix those things this weekend and my goal for them you know results will be results Kansas is tough but I just want them to play clean defensively and pitching wise for all three of these games yeah they we can get a fundamental game or weekend series I should say out of the Wildcats that'll be a win the other thing I think the Wildcats should look to do is. This pitching staff from Kansas is obviously very talented, but they're also much more of like strikeout guys yeah. versus um, what the kind of guys the Northwestern Wildcats were playing this past weekend. And the key to that is they've got to be more disciplined. They can't be go chasing out of the zone. But when you get that pitch in the zone, when you get that fastball, you have to be on it because you can't get too deep in the count. And I mean, if you're getting two hits, you know, if you're only putting the ball in play, you know, eight times a game. Yeah. Against you know yeah, this is, inferior competition. This is a game to extend at bats. You know you got two strikes, foul off a lot, make these guys work hard because strikeout pitchers they'll they'll get their counts up pretty early in a game. So that's one way to attack them. And and Coach Allen mentioned in his his post like series interview that was on the NU Cats baseball Twitter that they needed to put a complete game together, like you mentioned, no no kind of blow up innings and and putting complete games together. I think is. All you can ask for against this Kansas team, if you put a complete to get game together against Kansas and you lose a game, okay, that's fine. You're playing a Big Twelve opponent, but putting complete together, complete games together, I think is the is the goal for this team. And and in talking about these strikeout arms, I think something interesting to watch with these strikeout pitchers will be Willie Berman at the plate. Last year in the preview, we mentioned Willie Berman strikes struck out a lot. Yeah. And you like you like to see and like to hope that maybe with this new he looked he's he looked, looked, really, he looked good. really good yeah. and maybe he has a new approach that that is less susceptible to him striking out. I think seeing high quality strikeout pitchers if he strikes out a lot may be some cause for concern. But if, if he doesn't, is able to put the ball and play a lot more. That's a great time for this Wildcat team moving forward. Yeah, I'll put you guys to it. Let's let's finish this up here. What are your predictions for the weekend? How many games does Northwestern win? How do they play? I th- I think I think if they put complete games together. I think you saw some of the Kansas arms in Turski and Sefer John and, and Goddard not have their best games, and that, that comes with being their first game, but now they're only in their second game. So you can expect some more rust on those arms. So I'm going to go, the Northwestern Wildcats will play will play complete games for most of the weekend and will win two of three of this series against two Kansas. Two games, Walker wow. I like it. Bold I like prediction it. there. Got to give the people what they want. 
Go Cats. <laughs> there you go. I'm a little more pessimistic. I think this Kansas team is really good. I think in a best-case scenario, I do think they can win two or three games. I think Northwestern yeah, has sure the kind can. of guys. Yeah. Definitely, if they, like you said, if they put complete games together, I'm going to say they win one game. I'm going to say they win the Saturday game against Tyler or Taylor Tursky. He was a little bit wild. He was not good. He was... Obviously, he had those nine strikeouts in four and two-thirds innings, but he was wild. He hit two guys. He had four wild pitches, walked five, gave up four hits. Kind and of that, the head case performance. Exactly. And and if Northwestern is going to win one of these games, it's not going to be, you know, you know, banging balls off the, you know, the deep outfield, <laughs> deep center, right? It's going to be drawing walks, you know, going to second on wild pitches. And, you know, Taylor Tursky was susceptible for, uh, to that in his first game. So I'm, I'm looking at uh, Saturday as the one win that Wildcats get. Yeah, and if they get on base against Tursky, they got to get in his head, you know. Steal yeah, those bases. Yeah, tough tough with the lefty, though. Tursky is yeah, a lefty. that's true. That's that is true. tough. So we'll see. Um, I'll hold off on a prediction. But uh, I, I like I like Northwestern to win at least one this weekend. I think it, it's really important for them to get some momentum here in the non-conference play, especially with an even tougher opponent next week. That wraps it up for us. Thanks so much to Andrew and Walker for coming on this week on Rounding the Bases. Um, we'll be back next week. Make sure you tune in. All the games this weekend will be on Mixler. Sam Brief, Henry Damore, going to do a good job with those games. And now, if you've been waiting this long, finally it's time for the interview with Spencer Allen. Hi, I'm Amit Malik of WNR Sports, also joined this week by Walker Reinfeld, another member of our station. And we're here for our exclusive weekly interview with Spencer Allen, head Baseball coach of Northwestern. How you doing, coach, on this Tuesday? Doing great. Doing great. We got no snow on the field, so I'm pumped. Awesome. <laughs> um, we're going to talk about the three season opening games at Nebraska against Nebraska Omaha in Arizona. And I know more than anything, it was just good for you guys to get back on the field. Can you just talk about what it meant to actually get the season started after waiting for so long? Yeah, yeah, we had a little uh, little issue getting out there, but once we got out there, you know, the, the Dodgers, White Sox, uh, Camelback Ranch was just a, a, an unbelievable facility and an opportunity for our guys to play at that stadium, so we were very grateful. And, yeah, just, you know, you, you, you work all, all year for the opportunity to go play, and, and it, it, was, uh, it was good to be out there. I would think that most of the listeners here know kind of the travel complications, but if you're not familiar, Northwestern flew in on Saturday, played two games, and, you know, got a night of rest, and then played on Sunday, including some players, you know, flying in at leaving Miller Park at, what, 2.30, 3 in the morning? Was, was that, is that true? Yeah, yeah. We, we, we left left pretty early. And, and hey, I, I was actually really proud of the guys, their, yeah. their energy. Um, you know, they, they came out ready to play. We, we had a lead. Uh, I believe in both, uh, yeah. b- both games on on Saturday. So I mean, they're, they're, I don't think that was any, n- none of our guys to yeah. a man would say that that would be really an excuse. Um, you know, we we came out ready to play, we just couldn't finish. <laughs> yeah, let's start with game one. Yeah. Kind of just going, you know, game by game through what happened, and you know, getting your opinions on some of the stuff. I want to start with Hank. You know, he was. You know, looking like he usually had for the, especially for the last half of last year. What do you think kind of led to him having those this inning and a half where it kind of got out of his control? Yeah, I think it was a combo of two things. I mean, uh, looking back at the video with Hank, he 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 is always going to throw strikes, and his is just going to be about the quality of his strikes when he starts getting elevated. Uh, you know, up up by the uh, mid thigh to to uh, belt area. Um, he doesn't have as much success, you know, and, and, and he knows it. And, and then comboed by, we, we didn't make a couple uh, big plays behind him. You know, I, I think Hank is, uh, we know he's going to be a guy that, that works pretty fast and, and he's going to have 
uh, the ball in play. And, and I, I think, uh, you know, week two, week three, we, we make those plays and we need to make those plays as an experienced uh, group out there. And just the combo of those two led to some, uh, you know, some runs for, for Nebraska. You had Tommy Bordignan come in and, you know, I think he, the inning he came into was a little tough, but he did settle down, kind of pitched two pretty solid innings. What was was that good for you to see him kind of getting a little bit of a groove early? Yeah, it, it was good. You know, I, I think the and Tommy will be the you know first to say for him that the next thing is just coming out of the pen with that command. I mean, I, I think he he eventually found it. Uh, that's the hard thing about pitching out of the bullpen is that you don't have time to you know kind of ease into the game <laughs> you you have to come in and and have your stuff and and uh and i think that's the next step for tommy but i i think the good thing is is that you know he did find it i made some really good pitches um you know later in in, in his you know appearance there in his outing and so i, I we're expecting him to to dial it in and, and be ready to roll from from pitch one hitting wise i kind of want to look at it after the whole double header so i'll actually just you know keep kind of going ahead to game two in the pitching Starting with Danny Katz, who, you know, a lot of us not with the not inside the program, you know, last two years have seen him come in in kind of smaller spots, but really impressed by the way he just attacked from the start and his pace. You know, what kind of led to him, you know, looking really efficient in his start? Yeah, yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I think his um, his ability to attack the zone and and mix three pitches for for strikes and. Uh, and, and then just his pace, you know, I think guys are going to make plays. Now I say that we, we um, you know, made, made a, a big error. We, he, he made a really good pitch, and we had a double play ball that, again, I think, um, you know, uh, midseason, week two, three, I think we, we make that play, and we have to make that play. And, and we, we talked about that yesterday. Is that's how we're going to be successful is, is when we're making plays like that. And, and you know, it, it's just it's a coulda, woulda, shoulda. Yeah. Um, but, I, gosh, I just would have liked to see Danny's outing because I think he gets extended another inning uh, if, we, if we do turn that double play and, and, and catch, a, uh, catch a fly ball too for him. Yeah, you kind of talk about the coulda, woulda, shoulda. I, I feel bad for Jared Reimer who came in mm. and there was two kind of bang-bang plays at second and at home. Do you feel that that also would have kind of changed the complexion of his all outing? No, no doubt. And, and again, looking back at the video, he he uh, <laughs> he struck out you know a guy. And, and again, that that's that's part of the game though. And, and I think we talk about the if if we're consistent with our. Um, just everything as far as attacking the zone. And that's where JR, again, if he looks at his outing, uh, he had some pitches that he would probably want back. Um, but he did make a, a pretty big pitch that we thought, you know, struck a guy out, which would have led to uh, two, maybe even three less runs. And, you know, you, you just never know in those, in those situations. So, um, but if we're consistent with it, uh, over over time, over over a season, we're, we're going to, you know, JR is going to have some success for us. No, there's no doubt about it. Hitting-wise, that game, you know, obviously the big story was Willie Bourbon, who hit a, just a really big home run in a big park. Yeah. He had a double on Sunday, and then he also had that triple in game one. You know, you know, what's kind of helped him get to some power to start? You know, Willie's always had it in there. Yeah. And, and I think the biggest thing that, that he has really done is, is um, he's got his swing a little bit more on playing. He, he was always, 
you know, he could hit it out right at the foul pole, <laughs> but but he was just really around the ball. And that, I think that's just the biggest thing is that he's he's had the power. Now he's staying through the ball, and even you saw where his home run went. It, I think it went probably 390 to, to 400 feet, uh, and he hit it to the bigger part of the park. But that's that's what he has the capability of doing uh, when he's staying through the ball. And and uh, you know, we we saw it. we we saw it inside, and and it was something that we were hoping that we could see translate and, and now the trick is trying to to keep it there <laughs> yeah you talk about Ben Dickey who you put at the top of your lineup and he was great in game three as well kind of asking about him now you know how how pleased were you with the results and what what else do you want to see from Ben who I thought did a pretty good job leading off yeah no I I, I think Ben um, couldn't be more pleased you know I, I think everything from from his uh, aggressiveness on the basis to um, you know approach at the plate he he was he was patient when he needed to be. He he got aggressive when he needed to be. Um, very you know happy with with him. And and we're going to continue to try to tweak the the lineup to see what's the best fit. But uh, we had a really good hit and run with with him. And and I think that was in game three with with Jack Dunn behind. Uh, those are going to be the things that I think that's what our offense is going to need to do a little bit uh, more of. And kind of before we get into Game Three, I want to ask a bit about the fielding. I know you and the players probably want to improve on it. You know, how is that something that you and you, you just keep you you keep working on, especially early in the season when you, know, you just got to shake the rust off? Yeah, I, I think the, the the toughest thing to to uh, duplicate duplicate, excuse me, is is the the ball off the bat and that just the first initial read and you know Jack Dunn, all, you know all of us would would say um you know it, it just it just takes you know a couple games and and that's we, we try to duplicate it inside but it, it can just be tough so I think that's one of the things that um you know just just seeing those those balls off a of bat as we get outside you know, today we're going to try to get outside and uh, I think that's that's going to help you know with that said we, we had some some great defensive plays as well uh uh, you know, Alex, Alex Arrow, Arrow had made a great, great play. Ones. David Dunn went back and got a ball. Um, you know, so we we had some. I think we turned four double plays. Uh, you know, so so there were some 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 good plays made. Yeah. We just there were some key ones that I, I think led to extending some innings. Moving on to Game Three, final game on Sunday. You guys pulled this one out, and I thought the real story was your your freshman pitchers. Um, really good start from Quinn Lavelle. Let's start there. I mean, kind of a you know the big story from the weekend. I know you guys were, were very high on him coming in. You know what has allowed him to just come in game one and have an awesome performance. Yeah, you know, it just hit his command of of three pitches. I mean, he he just really uh, is under control out there. Sometimes you know, you, you, <laughs> I was pretty fired up for him. His first win, I you know, I came up to him and you know, big high five, and he just kind of gave me a. Uh, you know, and so, uh, but but that's what helps him too. Uh, of he he just goes out there and and just executes pitches, doesn't get rattled. We we had some, you know, I, I think we we had a couple a, a mishap behind him, and you know he j- he just doesn't get rattled, and he goes out and and, and executes the next pitch, and and um, you know, so his stuff is good. It's not great, uh, but his command, I, I would probably throw a grade on there, and that's just. Uh, you, you you can't uh, put a value on, on that. The quick to the plate, ability to kind of uh, toy with the hitter a little bit yeah. with wind ups and arm angles. Yeah. And he, he he can just be uh, tricky. <laughs> and then Jack Pagliarini, who came in, I think, kind of slotted to come in right after before the game. You know, he was really excellent. 
six strikeouts. Yeah. You know, what did you like from his performance? Well, I, I think that the thing, I mean, I think his first pitch was up in the zone. You know, I was a little worried because it, 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 he, he just – but then the next, I mean, literally the next 20 pitches that he threw, he just pounded his own. And that's, that's what you have to do out of the pen. You know, he's a guy that's got stuff. I, I think any time from the left-hand side, you can throw a breaking ball and make right-handed hitters uh, swing and miss like he did. That just shows you that he's got true stuff. Uh, with that breaking ball, you know, coming in at you know 79, 80 miles an hour, and that's that's a hard pitch if you can command it, and then follow that up with the fastball. And, and I think that's just what he did. You know, I give Coach Reynolds a, a lot of credit for for calling that 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 game. But but um, you know, obviously most of the credit goes to to Jack and and Quinn for just going out and executing pitches. We noticed that Sam Lawrence didn't come in this weekend. Was it situational that? you needed a righty to end that game and also kind of going back to the one on Saturday that you, you like Jarrah coming in in that big situation as well. Well, you know, Sam, and he'll, he'll be ready to go this weekend. Sam had a little bit of a setback. And, okay. And, and he, he, he was not, um, you know, we have to put a lot of trust in guys in the off season, you know, and they have to make sure that they, they do their work um, and, and that they're ready. And, and Sam, you know, just wasn't 100% ready. We, we could have used him. Um, but we, we just want to be smart. It's a long season, and he, he'll be ready to go against Kansas. He, he'll, he'll throw a live bullpen today and should be ready to go. And then hitting-wise on Sunday, you know, how big was it for you to get all of those RBIs from your first years? David Dodd, who, going back to Saturday as well, had a really good series and you know, looked right at home on a big stage. Yeah, yeah. David is, you know, he he's a guy that he's probably opposite of, of Quinn Lavelle. He's very, um, very hyped, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, sometimes you know you're not getting hits or or you know not making a catch. He he can really wear kind of his emotions on the sleeve. But at the same time, I I say that uh, he's an excitable player, but. He um, he also you know he believes and he's got a lot of confidence in himself. So it was it was great to see him uh, come up in situations and just understand that it's you know we don't need a five run home run there of, of getting that that ground ball you know to the middle got us on the board and just kind of kept us you know chipping away. You know, kind of big picture after all three games. You know, how satisfied are you with the construction of your lineup? Yeah, yeah, you know, I, I think that it's just it's going to be interesting. We're we're going to definitely face uh, some some better harms coming up this this next weekend, um, but at the same time, I I, I think I, I I love the the mix that we have, especially if a um, you know Willie Bourbon can continue to to give us some power. The the one bat I I really thought would have had some success out in Arizona was Leo Kaplan. Uh, the way he can just really drive the, the the baseball and give us some power. So I think when we get Leo back, he he had the flu last weekend. Uh, we get Leo back in that lineup, um, and we get uh, Connor Lind and and um, Jack Clay's clicking and, and hitting like I think they're they're capable of. I think we're going to have a very interesting lineup, you know, for for sure. Coach, off the lineup, we um. How much weight, if at all, do you put into early season struggles and early season success? You had in the middle of the lineup, you didn't have, maybe have the weekend you wanted, but bottom line of Casey O'Laughlin and kind of Willie Bourbon had big weekends. How much weight do you give their success or their struggles early in the season to constructing a lineup going forward? Yeah, I, I think you know you you hit it on the head. You have to look big picture, and, and you know Connor Lind and Jack Clay's have just proven. You know, it, it, I, I look at last year if we would have pulled the trigger on Joe Hoshite. <laughs> 
you know, and and, and even Matt Hopfner at, or at early times, you know. And, and trust me, it, it's it's tough decisions. You you have players there going, wait, this guy's not doing this, and uh, and, and that's that's where it's hard, you know. But at the same time, you you know, for your team to win, you know, Connor Lynn and Jack Clay's, and and you know, those guys are gonna have to be a pivotal role. Um, so you, you have to give them some time. So it is a tough, a, a tough balancing act that 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 you you, you try to, to to do, knowing that you have we do have a lot of good options, uh, but behind that, um, you know, Charlie Maxwell really juiced the ball. I thought he kept out of might have you know left the park, and um, we we've got some good options. Um, so you know, it's 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 a tough tough act to to balance. Looking ahead to Kansas, kind of big picture a little bit. You know, how do you get your team? kind of revved up to play against a very good Big 12 team. It'll be a true road series. You know, there's no friendly Big 12 atmospheres. How do you get your team kind of a next level up and also just to get in the right mindset after a first weekend that was challenging, even though you guys finished it with a win? Yeah, so I think both of these next two series, you know, Kansas are are guys, they're they're smart and they can get on the internet and figure out that they've got, you know, two uh, really, I mean, I I think guys we could see pitching in the big leagues one day. I think they're projected first two rounds in the MLB draft. Yeah, yeah, and so so, so these guys know that and and, and also the the league they play in and all of those things. So, so... I don't think we're going to necessarily have to get them up to play. Yeah. It's going to be about, uh, you know, calming and executing and, again, not trying to hit that five-run home run, but taking our walks and taking our free bases and, and just really executing uh, the game. And, and um, so both, both on the offensive side for Kansas as, as well as – or excuse me, the, uh, their pitching side as well as their offense, they, they've got some guys that can, can hurt you with one swing of the bat. And um, so – with that, and then looking obviously to you know to Texas of, of they're gonna they've got you know some some guys that that will definitely be high draft picks, and then you you throw in Texas is gonna have a little bit of the atmosphere where there's gonna yeah. be you know maybe two three thousand people at the game, so um, th- th- those are gonna be fun, and that that's why we we go, and that's what we we recruited all these guys to to go to these venues and 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 hopefully go have some success, and and so I, I don't think we're gonna have to get them up at all. I'm just looking forward to next weekend. What is kind of the biggest thing you want to see improve from your last week series against Nebraska and Law? Yeah, so I, I think two things. I, I think, um, you know, when, when we uh, make plays, I, I think that's going to be big. So so just cutting down because, you know, I think we had four errors, but we probably had maybe two to three other non-plays that, you know, win as hits. But I think they're plays that we can make. We talk about that a lot. Um, so that's going to be number one. Uh, and, and then number two is just, just – um, you know, offensively, a little bit more consistency. Again, there, there was definitely some good things that we did, um, but just the consistency one through through uh, the 27 innings and not just having big, big lulls where there's just innings where there's just no threat. You know, a, a lot of, and I, and I would say probably a little bit more uh, flat to the baseball. Again, there's times we, we just made a lot of outs uh, in the air. Um, and, and again, Kansas is a place that can have a lot of wind. So we really have to, you know, if we're just hitting fly balls up into the wind, that's just not going to, uh, you know, bode well for us. So, we, you know, just, just that consistency uh, of our ABs. And jumping off that, looking at specific guys, what one or two guys are looking to step up big this weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I think, you know, looking, you know, again, Connor Lind and, and um, I, I would say uh, Leo, again, just coming off of his first weekend. I don't know necessarily stepping up, but just really interested to see how they uh, come out. Uh, and again, Connor had a good 
good swing that got us that third run. Uh, you know, and he, he hit a couple balls hard as well. So uh, I, I'm expecting Connor to come out and have a good series a, a, as well as uh, a Leo. And then with the rest of the guys staying, staying consistent as well. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Coach. Really appreciate it. Good luck this weekend. Hey, thanks. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming.